But that's that mentoring experience. And that's what podcasts and that's what we hope our podcast become for people is an opportunity to to almost like a masterclass situation. Because uh, there are teachers out there who, who are rock starring, uh, who understand what it takes to do what we do. But nobody knows who they are. Nobody's heard their voice. No one's, no one's, you know, there's not a camera in every teacher's room capturing all these moments and, and putting them in a file. And you may have never experienced it, and then you may listen to it on a podcast, and then all of a sudden you experience it, and it's like, oh, I remember them saying, okay, this is how you, okay, got it. And even though it may be like, no, nah, I can't do that, but it gives me an idea. It sparks an idea in my mind of what I can do. Welcome back, everybody, to Value Adds Value, a podcast for inspired educators. My name is Kyle Krieger. Unfortunately, Wilkie will not be with us on this episode. As many of you know, the weather over the last week, uh, today is February 20th in Texas, has been crazy. Um, and there's some issues that Will's dealing with in, in his house and the houses of family members, so he can't be with us. Uh, today, which uh, he wanted to give our best, and Brandy, he wanted to make sure I gave you his best, and he was sorry he couldn't be here, but we were excited. Um, a few years ago, I had on Patrick Cook Deegan from Project Wayfinder, um, and we're excited to have uh, Brandy Arnold back on the podcast from Project Wayfinder to talk about where they've gone over the last three years and where they're going. So, Brandy, thanks for taking some time with us. Of course, yeah. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so we were just talking a second ago. I, I met Patrick through Instagram, just kind of searching the internet. And, and the Project Wayfinder program has always been something that I've looked at and been just astonished that it actually exists somewhere because it's it's like the ideal program you would want to give kids. So um, before we get too far into it, could you just give us a little bit about your background, where you've been, where you came from, and how you got to the point where you're at now working with Project Wayfinder? Of course, yeah. So I I come at my work from uh, just a general passion of wanting to support students who, uh, particularly students who are often seeing negative outcomes in education. So just I've, I've come at it in various ways, but making sure that I can help support them and give them the tools that they need to thrive uh, in the classroom and, and outside of the classroom. And so that's, I've been doing that in various uh, ways for nearly a decade. So I, I started just through volunteering really in schools. Uh, I have a, a communications background, journalism background. So I helped start a media team in one of my uh, local schools, just helping students elevate their voices. They were doing video and, and written pieces about issues that were important to them and uh, working with my neighborhood school through my neighborhood association uh, very under-resourced urban school, and so we did a number of uh, things to support the students, getting restaurants to to sponsor violin lessons and uh, sponsoring lunch for teachers because that's important too. We have to support our teachers too, of course, and uh, that actually led to to more uh, uh, work in schools. So I was doing youth development work uh, through an organization, civic engagement curriculum, teaching students curriculum around how to get involved in issues that are important to them. Uh, I I ran a college and career exploration program for students for a number of years, and uh, that really led me to Project Wayfinder. I actually taught the Project Wayfinder curriculum to my students. I was really looking for a curriculum that went beyond the 
the technical skill set. Uh, so, you know, we can do assessments, we can do uh, aptitude tests, we can take them to employers to explore and, and learn what it's like to work in a certain industry. But I really wanted to talk to the students about who am I? What, what am I? what am I passionate about? How can I affect the world around me? Uh, what has my lived experience been? How is my lived experience an asset? Uh, really just exploring uh, all of those different issues. And Project Wayfinder really gave me a way to explore that with my students. Uh, so I was an instant fan. Uh, and, and life circumstances over the last year have had led me to, to move. Uh, so I, I was switching jobs. And around that same time, the director of school training and success became available. And so I, that led me to Project Wayfinder. So I, here I am today at the end of my second week uh, with the company. And it's just been, it's been really exciting to be on the other side of it after yeah. teaching the curriculum to be helping support schools in, in uh, implementing the curriculum. Now, if I remember Patrick telling me, right, you are a Midwesterner. I am. Aren't you? Yes. It, Born and is, raised. Is it Michigan? <laughs> it is Michigan. Oh. Yes. <laughs> I will say, I don't dislike Michigan as much as I dislike Illinois for sure and maybe Minnesota but oh I thought you were gonna say Ohio <laughs> oh and nobody likes Ohio no nobody likes Ohio but no for Ohio sorry I'll, for any Ohio people out there <laughs> no it's, it's all good um so so you recently just moved to California like in the last few weeks right correct yes how yeah, is, a lot of how changes is the, happening how's the change from Midwest to California been well, you know, right after I moved, uh, you could probably hear the Midwestern in my voice just now. Well, you know, you know. Yep, I uh, it all the time. <laughs> doing a podcast, I hear myself, you know, and I'm, I moved back from Houston going on four years ago, and it's funny how steadily I've gotten back into my, to my, mid, my Midwest habits. So now I have this weird mix of, like, Texas slang. <laughs> <laughs> but I sound like a Midwesterner saying it. So it's it's very funny. My kids find it very, very humorous. I love that. I love that. It's so funny how those things just come out. Right. They're in there somewhere. But uh, so as I was saying, uh, right after I moved, Michigan got hit by the kind of cold snap and the storms that were coming through. I think they started in the Northeast. And so they got, kind of got buried uh, and I was looking out my window and it was sunny. It's chilly here. I'm in the North, Northern California, North Bay area. It's chilly here, but uh, it's definitely sunny and, and nice. So I was looking out my window at sunshine and my friends were all posting about the, you know, 12 inches of snow they just got. So I wasn't too uh, mad about it, but yeah, yeah it's been a good move sure. so far. <laughs> For sure. So, so with the podcast and we were talking about this a little bit before we really, um, when Wilkie and I started not just teaching together, but working together on professional developments and stuff, we really felt like the teacher mentoring space was a space that we wanted mm -hmm. to be in because we felt like the teacher mentoring programs that we've talked to teachers all over the country are just really lacking um, in, in kind of like what you said. They're very much about the technical skills of teaching, but all the other stuff that goes with it. Um, is not necessarily in every mentoring program. There are great mentoring programs out there everywhere, but we really want to try to fill that space because we know that there's a huge problem of teacher turnover. Like we know that that's a huge problem. Um, and we know that the, the answer is to keep teachers in classrooms, but for us really feeling like we can help teachers new to the classroom, find authenticity, find their space and, and really build their experience and build continuity over their experiences as they are starting is 
what we can do to support that mission of keeping teachers in the classroom. So that's really where we want to go going forward. And, and we loved what, you know, what Wayfinder stands for with belonging and purpose in that. But one thing we like to ask everybody, could you tell us uh, or tell our listeners a story of a teacher that made a huge different difference in your life or what you would consider your favorite teacher? Oh man. Uh, Dr. Vita Tucker. I, just when I say her name, it's just powerful. Um, <clears throat> she was a, a professor that I had at the college level and she was actually the first instructor that I had who was black. And so uh, as a black woman, having an instructor that looked like me uh, was really powerful. And so I, I want to, you know, I, I definitely want to give that plug for representation in, in mentorship at all levels. Uh, so as students with teachers, but also with teachers, having other teachers that maybe can mentor them that have a similar identity or lived experience, I think is really important. Uh, and so she she was that representation for me and and more so really helped me navigate uh, the world around me through through her classes. And so she was just a strong, powerful woman who she didn't take any nonsense, but she was she was uh, kind and affirming and really through her classes and through the uh, I had a couple classes with her and through those classes was just really able to explore some of um, the things that I was wrestling with and and put language to them in a way that I wasn't able to before. And she was really a, a gateway to be able to do that. And so I, you know, I actually reached back out to her a few years ago just to say hello, because yeah, she's definitely one of those teachers that that left a mark on me and, and was definitely part of my trajectory. And I'll, I'll always be grateful for that. Yeah. You know, it's, it's so funny, like how, when you said like, it just brings a smile to your face. Like there are teachers that I've, I've had um, over the course of, you know, when I was a student and then there are teachers when I've been a teacher that I've made a difference, but you know, my, one of my favorite teachers growing up, he actually like lives down the block from my sister and her husband in my hometown. So it's, it's still um, a chance, but it's so crazy how even just saying a person's name like that, it, it brings back all those, all those, um, those memories. And, you know, as a new teacher, it's really, it's impossible to see that far down the road to have kids feel that way about you. But I think that's really, um, what we're striving for because we struggle with this term at, you know, everybody wants to be a great teacher, but it's so, it can be so subjective what great teaching looks like and and especially in my experience as a new teacher I felt like great teaching was that rubric I was getting mm -hmm. and it was grading mm -hmm. me on these certain particular things and and that was what great meant but we really you know great or impactful is that having kids come back you know, because now, now my first set of kids that I had in Houston are in their mid twenties. Isn't that wild? And they're and they're having kids, <laughs> and and there are there there are a few in particular that I really keep close tabs on, and it's just it's fun because I'll get I'll get a snap from him, one of them in particular, every once in a while, and then I just get random I get random Instagram messages and I get random Facebook messages from old kids that were like, hey. I saw you pop across my Facebook, da, 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 you know, so that's, that's really where we want teachers to go. And, and that's really what we're about. So 
for our listeners that may not be familiar with Project Wayfinder, can you just give us a, a little bit of the background of it and, and what it strives to do for students and teachers? Sure. Our, our mission is, is really to partner with educators uh, to help them create innovative educational experiences for their students that really do a lot of everything that you were just saying. So how, how do we go beyond the, the technical uh, to help students live lives of meaning and purpose? And uh, that, that sounds very big, but at the core level, it's, it's how does a student navigate the world around them and their place within it? How do they feel like they belong? How do they navigate all of those complexities? And so Project Wayfinder um, is an SEL curriculum that helps students frame that or helps helps teachers help students frame that really. Um, because I think one of the things that is missing so often is that teachers have tools and lesson plans for, for math and social studies. What they don't have is a lesson plan and a tool for how do I have a conversation with my students about their identity? How do I have a conversation with my students about their lived experience and how that they, they bring all of that into the classroom every day? How do I help them navigate that? And so that's what Project Wayfinder really strives to do is to support students um, in that way. And, and to support teachers in having those conversations. And so we do that through our toolkits that we have. One is focused on, on purpose uh, and the other is focused on belonging. And so navigating kind of both of those concepts and there's a number of just really cool activities uh, within each of those toolkits that, that teachers can utilize to, to really help frame that for their students. Do you feel like this year, especially because of the pandemic and kids being out of the classroom, do you feel like there's been an uptick in people looking for things like Project Wayfinder? Or do you feel like it's been kind of the same as it's kind of always been at that trajectory that they're growing? No, it completely, we've seen an uptick in, in teachers and admin seeking resources. So particularly around our belonging toolkit, uh, for so many schools that are are online and, and virtual, maybe for the first time, they're really seeking ways to, to help cultivate belonging among their students, even though their students are kind of sitting at home in front of their computers. And so we've had a lot of schools that are reaching out and saying, hey, we, we heard about your, your programming and your toolkits. This We think this is a way that we can help our students feel like they belong, even if they're not physically together in the classroom. So we've seen a number of schools reaching out, and it's really exciting for us. Obviously, nobody wants a global pandemic. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's rocked so many worlds and it's been so devastating on so many levels. However, I do think that it is bringing to light a number of things uh, that have been present, obviously, but are just, we're seeing the conversation around them heighten. And I think cultivating belonging among students is really one of those conversations that's being heightened right now due to the, due to the uh, disconnection of students by um, virtual learning. Yeah, you know, and that's really where I'm at too. So I've been I've been home since March of last year. Um, my school my school started back with hybrid in September, but I was one of the virtual teachers. And now three, you know, in three weeks I'll be back for the first time. And as we started having these conversations about if we're going back, like the teachers were just like hammering, like, you need to give us time to work on SEL, like not just talk about it, but we really need time and spaces for these kids to be able to process. Cause you know, five miles from where my school is was where George Floyd was murdered earlier this year. So, wow. so we had that envelop our community 
and with the pandemic and an election year, you know, like the pandemic alone would have been a lot for people to handle. And then you add the political climate and the social climate and, and it's, it's been a lot for them to deal with and to have to deal with it, you know, at home and, and the difficult and challenging thing. And I'm sure you've heard this from teachers everywhere is you can't, you can't really try to pull stuff out of kids via zoom. Like you really can't, I I guess the way I would say it is you can't really create that safe space that you can when you're in person. Like you really can't make that kid feel like, okay, this is a spot where, where I can open up. But hopefully as we get back and we can get the kids back. I I mean, I know for me, yeah, I teach eighth grade social studies, but I'm going to do a ton of, SEL and just kind of peppered in there wherever I want. Cause I think that's, that's the most important thing is, you know, we've had kids that have basically been out of the classroom for a year mm-hmm. and now in September, they're going to have to go to high school and we got to try to get them to, to be ready. But um, in terms of, the, a, Oh, sorry, go ahead. I, I was just going to say it's, it's such a hard, I was kind of, thinking about your point around uh, creating safe space for students. And I I do think that's such a hard task to do. And one of the things that I was grateful for with Project Wayfinder uh, this past year, being on the other side, teaching it, uh, was the way that they have, um, they have so many supplemental supplemental resources mm-hmm. and they're, they have a whole toolkit around creating safe space online. So even for schools who are still, still virtual one of the things that I found that I was really surprised by was the way that their tools helped me still kind of try to recreate an in-person space in a Zoom room uh, and, and really try to make students feel safe. And, and I, I agree with you that it's really hard to recreate that in person, but their, their toolkit was really useful in that way. And they really did a great job after George, George Floyd. Uh, there's always been an undercurrent, I would say, of, of um diversity, equity, inclusion in their, in their curriculum because of the things that uh, students are talking about through the curriculum, but they actually created a whole list of racial equity resources for teachers uh, to, to utilize in their classrooms to talk about what is this, what does this mean? What does this look like? What does this mean for you, for our country, for our community? So I was really grateful of the way that they've, not only they have these toolkits, but they have a number of supplemental resources to help support teachers as well. And that to me was, was huge in having those conversations with my students. Cause at the end of the day, it's really hard to avoid those, especially right now. Well, and I even just think, you know, Minnesota became, you know, kind of a hot button. It was, you know, like the most important place in the country. And then shortly thereafter, Michigan starts to spiral. There are people, I mean, I remember just talking with my students um, about the picture of all the people that had stormed the Michigan state Capitol with weapons and just, having conversations like that it's it's really you know it's really been interesting you know me as a social studies teacher I usually get to have those conversations because it it can always fit into my curriculum but but you know from a diversity and equity space trying to I think the challenge that and I'm sure you hear this from teachers too is how how do we hear every voice, including, you know, the, the conservative voice in a way that doesn't demean them, but we also are sorting fact from fiction. I, mm-hmm. I think that's been, 
that's been a real challenge, not just for for teachers and students, but I think everybody in the country right now is in that place of how do we how do we hear every voice, but we also, you know, sort really in critical thinking. Yeah, yeah, and that's <laughs> and that's just really. I don't know how many times I have asked students just in general, like, can you can you show me where you heard that? Can mm-hmm. you? Give me the source where you found that out. And Hey, we're going to take a quick break from the podcast to ask a small favor. If you are a teacher that is early in their career and you would be willing to have a conversation with us for the podcast, we would love for you to reach out to us on social media uh, at value at value on Instagram at it's dot will dot law dot I, 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 or at it's kyle krieger you can find us twitter instagram tiktok reach out and let us know if you'd be interested because we want to understand what the new teacher experience is like we want to know the things you're struggling with the things you're finding success in so we can build a set of questions and really make our interviews with experienced teachers professionals outside of teaching that much more meaningful to new teachers in bringing them you know the resources that will help them find success so if you'd be willing to help us please reach out let us know at value adds value on instagram otherwise at it's kyle krieger at it's dot will dot law dot i i i wherever you want to find us otherwise we're going to get back to it and we hope you enjoy more of this episode they're eighth graders, so they don't really do that. But I've, I've, <laughs> I find myself for the first time in a long, you know, maybe in my career asking those questions like, Hey, can you really, well, I shouldn't say that. Like when we're doing a project and I make you do a bibliography, I want your sources, but really, really asking, asking that, you know, and asking myself too, like, where, where am I getting my information from? Am I making sure that I get that? So it's just a really, interesting place to be but you know with the SEL and and with what you do at Wayfinder why why do you choose rather than just saying this is SEL to call it purpose learning because I think that a lot of people know the term SEL but but I, I love that you you call it purpose learning so can you talk a little bit about that choice to to really label it as that versus just these are SEL resources sure yeah, I think what what sets us apart uh, in terms of uh, other SEL curricula is the focus on not just uh, student as self and student with their peers, that interpersonal. We really focus on, uh, it, we kind of scaffold to get to here, but we really focus on student in the world. So what is my my place within the world around me? How do I navigate those complexities? <clears throat> How do I how do I, in cultivating a life of meaning, uh, think about things beyond myself? And, and what does that look like as I'm out in, in the wider community in the world? And I, I think that often in SEL, there's a lot of focus on the self and the, and the interpersonal, but not necessarily that bigger picture view. And, and for us, we think that's so important, particularly as students, uh, you know, so much of their life is determined for, for them in these years in terms of what time you get to school, where, you know, all of these things. And so once students are out 
uh, of a little of that more rigid structure, how do they function? How do they how do they make you know how do they make their way in that wider world? Um, and we we really focus in on how do we come at this from a really empowering way to say this is this is the way that you can um, uh, navigate the world and and think about it beyond self about the way that you'll be. Um, in these spaces. And so I think for me, when, in that, when I was teaching it, that was one of the things that I thought was really interesting. And, and the reason kind of why I think that purpose piece sets it apart is kind of, how do you live a purposeful life, particularly once you're out on your own and you don't necessarily have these, these more structured um, spaces and, and systems to, to help you navigate that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and, and just when you talk about the structure, I mean, it's been totally different for a lot of these kids who are at home virtual. Because we have a a structure for them, but they're not structured like the normal student day. So really working with them on that piece, but yeah, thinking about what they're going to do long term. So so with that, there there's another term that the program talks about, which I, I'm not sure all of our listeners are familiar with. So could you explain a little bit about what design thinking is and and how our kids really can can grow from it? Yeah, we we talk about design thinking with the students, and we also utilize design thinking uh, as a as a company and as a staff. And so, design thinking is really a strategic process, and it's a process that helps you solve solve a problem or solve problems. And it's really rooted in not only action. So how do we, how are we creatively um, coming up with solutions and then acting on these solutions that we're coming up with? Uh, it's also rooted in the needs of people. <clears throat> and I think one of the things that so often we get caught up in, and I say this as a collective, we, uh, no matter what industry you're in, is there's often a group of people sitting in a room, they come up with a plan, and and uh, they go out and they enact on it. But have they talked to everybody that's involved in that plan who will be directly affected by that plan? Often, no. <laughs> and we're all guilty of it, right? We get in a room, we're like, yes, that's the direction we should head, and we, and then we do it. So what design thinking says is that we really need to be um, going out and talking to folks that are going to be most directly affected by whatever we're doing, whether that's coming up with a process or a policy, uh, a program, a curriculum. Uh, and so that's what we, uh, we as students are thinking about, uh, there's these, these projects that, they, that students do at the end of the Purpose Learning Toolkit. Um, and so we really talk to the students about how do you go out and make sure that you're, you're hearing a diverse set of voices as you think about the effects of what this project could do and be. And we do that too. So we, we go out and we talk to our students and our teachers. We're continually seeking feedback from the very beginning when this was created. It was informed by thousands of teachers and students. And so we really believe in co-creation whenever possible and make sure that we're not excluding those voices of the people who are going to be directly affected by this curriculum that we're creating, um, because really it's for them. It's not for us. And so that's really at the root of, of design thinking. And so we really try to not only um, put that into our curriculum to talk to students, we try to, uh, you know, walk the walk ourselves. Mm, I love that. I love that too. And it just strikes such a chord right now in this time as a teacher where, you know, there are people in a room somewhere, whether it's at our school level or at our state level or wherever that are making decisions and, and, you know, feeling like you're on the outside looking in. And, and I know that that's something that we, Wookie and I both have strived for and struggled with is explaining to your kids 
you know, the reasoning or the purpose behind what you're doing. Now I can't, my kids aren't really in a position where they can help me write curriculum. Like they're not in a position to be in that expertise, but the more I can involve them in the day to day in the, Hey, this is how we're going to do this, or this is how we're going to do that. I think that makes, makes a huge difference for, you know, for their buy in to what the class is and what the class represents. And I know, I mean, it's going to be really interesting. I think in three weeks when we go back, having to set up new norms and new structures and new kind of like, this is how we do things because I've never been in a spot where I had to really think about whether or not I can get within a five feet circle of you. And it's, it's really, you know, different to how, how do you explain that to kids and make sure they understand that in a way that doesn't demean them but they also know the seriousness of what's going on. Like, mm-hmm. and for me, I'm, I'm leaning towards like, if you want to still be here, if you want to stay in school and be in person, we have to do all these things to help mitigate the risk. So for me, I think it's, it's a really, really interesting and important exercise to do with kids to, to give them a chance to do that design thinking piece. Completely agree. What are the, it, to your point, you, they're not necessarily going to be co-writing curriculum, but what are the ways that we, the ways that you can interject choice throughout the day for the students and elevate their voice and, and just recognize that you're both humans. You're all humans coming into a classroom together, navigating a pandemic for the first time. Everyone that's, that's level mm-hmm. setting, right? That's, mm-hmm. um, and so there's, there's emotions coming up on both sides. And, you know, so I think for teachers, you know, that's, it's not easy to navigate everything that you're dealing with personally and still, you know, bring your full self into the classroom that way and be supporting students. And my hat is off to educators everywhere, uh, especially after this year, always, but especially after this year. Yeah. You know, and, and education and teaching has always been, and I, I think a lot of educators have an emotional attachment to it, but I mean, this year it just, I mean, with everything, it's been so much more emotionally charged and so much more, um, from all sides, from the parent side, from the teacher side, it, it's been, you know, really challenging to navigate those difficult questions and difficult conversations, all knowing, like you said, that there, there's no playbook for this. There's, there's nothing that, there's, there's no standard operating procedure that says this is how you operate in a pandemic when we need to stay apart and yeah, it's um, it it's been wild, but like you said earlier, I hope it's a time where we all reflect on education on a broader scale and and make changes. So, with with the Wayfinder programs, what why why choose to focus on belonging and purpose? I mean, because there's a lot of different things that fit into the SEL mold. Um, but why the focus on those particular items for, for kids? I think because of a lot of things you just touched on, right? So we know even before the pandemic, students were feel not all students, but a lot of students feel lost and disconnected. They are, you know, they, we talked to so many students again, when we were going and seeking feedback, we talked to so many students who just felt like they were ticking boxes. They weren't quite sure why they were in the classroom. They, um, 
the, their mental health is being affected at, at increasing rates. Uh, students are feeling depressed. There, there are so many things that are going on anxious, right? If I don't, I, I've, I've never seen a more anxious generation of, of young, of people. Um, and so there's so many things going on for students right now. And we really feel like the purpose and belonging, and we believe in, in the research backs this, that purpose and belonging can be an antidote to those things. Uh, and so it's a, it's a piece, it's a piece of, a, of the puzzle that can help students uh, as they're, they're trying to, to navigate all of the pressures that are on them and expectations and, and beliefs that you know, either they've put on themselves or, or society or their family has put on themselves. And so this curriculum is really a way to, to have conversations around those things, navigate those things, help students feel empowered. I think a lot of uh, students often feel powerless too um, because their their lives are so structured and there's a lot of expectations on them. And so I think for students to feel a little bit more empowered in those situations through having conversations around identity and lived experience and, and their strengths and what they bring to the table and uh, fears that they might have, just really putting language to it. Uh, students are so smart, they're so smart. And they don't always necessarily have the language, sure, but they can have these conversations. And so these toolkits really help give them the language uh, to have these conversations. I, I think about one of my students who, uh, when we first started the curriculum, was really shy. And uh, I could tell that there was just a lot bubbling up for him. He was, he was trying to navigate aspects of his identity. Uh, he um, was the the son of immigrants during a, during a time when immigration is just this topic that you know is is emotionally charged. He was seeing the effects of different policies in his family and in his neighborhood, and and also trying to to navigate his educational pathway at the same time. And so for him, these conversations, while while difficult in the beginning, I saw a growth in him as he was able to have conversations with his peers and say. Oh, other people are feeling the same way as me. It's not just me carrying all of this this weight. There's other people who feel the same way. Oh, I can have a conversation about things about my identity and not feel excluded. I can bring my full self to this conversation and, and be affirmed. What? And you know, I could just see this going through his head as as we were going through this curriculum. And to see where he is now, he's definitely one of those students that I think I'll always have. He'll always be reaching out to me. I'll always be reaching out to him. Uh, and he just he just texted me uh, a week ago to let me know that he had gotten this. Um, not only had he had gotten this amazing job um, working for the city of Grand Rapids, where I'm from in Michigan, uh, but he he was going to be a part of this cohort of um, staff of color uh, that they were forming that are going to be working on racial equity issues in our community. And he's he's just uh, it's a cliche word, but blossomed. He really has. And and I'm not saying that our, the the Wayfinder toolkit was the 100% reason for that, but I know it was a piece of it. I know it was a big piece of it. Those, um, it gave me a framework to provide a space for him to have those conversations in a way that I just wasn't equipped to um, without having those toolkits. And so I think for us, those are two big reasons why we're focusing on those, those um, particular areas, purpose and belonging, because we see the effects that it has on students and, and the research backs it up. And to me, that's really exciting. Yeah, you know, a couple of things that just stuck out to me from what you said first is like the frustration level of having feelings that you can't put language to. And like I think of it in a funny way is I have a th I have a 3-year-old nephew that is, you know, he talks, 
you can understand him, but like there are certain things and certain ways that he's just not great at communicating yet. And if you don't, and if, and if he's trying to tell you something and you're not getting it, it just like, he gets so frustrated by that. Yeah. He throws a tantrum, but you know, even, even as an adult, you know, for me and, and, Obviously, as a white male Midwesterner, I haven't had a different experience from you. But like, I grew up probably like a lot of people, you know, with an incredible lack of diversity around me. Mm -hmm. So even in my 30s now, I'm learning how to put language to my experience and to be able to understand the experiences of others. Because for me, and, and this is just my experience. I always heard, you know, the experience of people of color and, and even when I moved to Houston at 25, like I saw it and I really like, I, I grasped it, but it wasn't until, you know, Wilkie and I got really close that I could hear him tell his story through his perspective. And he was someone that I was so close with that it finally like really hit home the gravity of the colored experience. Mm -hmm. And for me, it, it's been so eye-opening that I'm even still working on how to put language to the things in my small hometown that I hear people say. And the things that I deal with, because although Minneapolis is a, a pretty liberal city, there are still lots of conservative families and conservative parents. And having to put language to those particular views as well and and like I was saying earlier to allow people to see different perspectives as valid because I think the biggest thing we're struggling with right now as teachers is the pardon the pun but the black and white nature of opinion if you have an opinion and I have a different opinion one of us has to be right or wrong and that's really what we struggle with with our kids is, and it's because of what they see around them. They see this climate, this hyper climate of us versus them. And when you're trying to have conversations with kids about their different experiences, so they can understand, like you said, that they've had a lot of shared experiences, it's really hard to help them move past or to grasp that idea of like, well, you and I grew up in different realities and we have these things that are both true. They're contradictory, but it doesn't mean that your experience and my experience aren't both true. It, it feels like a lot of kids want to validate their experience by disproving the experience of other kids mm. or mm. even with people. Mm. Like there's no way that your experience because it contradicts mine can be true. And, and it's something that, really kind of gets in the way of of belonging is that feeling when when you are told that I mean because if if we're talking about like Chick-fil-A Chick-fil-A versus you know Chipotle like you can be wrong in that but but when we're talking about these things with kids it's like these things are so rooted in their identity so when someone else tells them that their their opinion is wrong or whatever it's them being told that they're wrong as a person mm. and, mm. and it's, it's really hard to, 
to make to work with kids on that piece that they understand that I mean, because they're they're 13, 14 years old, and I get that they can't comprehend the gravity of that particular comment, but just trying to work with them, and that's where I, I really feel like in the work on belonging especially is, can we start to show this generation of kids the gravity of their words? What is good, everybody? Thank you for checking out this episode of Value. at Value number 305 with our friend Brandon Arnold. Um, to just give you an update as to what we were talking about at the beginning about Wilkie um, and the storms in Houston. Pretty much everyone is up at, back up and running. Um, a few of his family members had some pipes break um, and they're waiting on plumbing supplies and stuff like that. But everybody's safe, everybody's good, everybody's healthy and we appreciate um, everybody reached out and everybody's concerned. But uh, we love getting a chance to, I love that I should say, getting a chance to talk to Brandy Arnold about Project Wayfinder. Um, and the work that they're doing. And we will have the second half of this conversation with, uh, for you at the end of the week. But please, if you are interested, if you're looking for a great SEL curriculum or uh, things to do to help students find purpose and belonging, go to Project Wayfinder, uh, find them online, find them on Instagram, find them at their website, uh, projectwayfinder.com, and, and really take a time to take a look at their work and what they're doing. And Man, again, thank you so much for everything you've done to support this podcast. It's March 1st, which seems crazy, but we love you. We hope you're having a great week. And again, as we always say, if you're a teacher early in your career, we would love to hear your experience and get a chance to talk with you about it. So please uh, reach out if you want to be a guest. Otherwise, we love you. Thanks for being a part of this. Have a great week.